Hi, this is the See You Next Tuesday podcast. We have dirty words and shit potholes throughout the entire episode. Our name literally spells Kant. How could you not know what was coming? Thanks for listening. to another episode of the see you next tuesday podcast i'm jesse i'm amanda hi hi we're back again um and this time we have two functioning mics thanks for putting up with our bullshit everybody yeah don't drop your mics on the floor in our defense it was an accident it was like so i was really excited to get the cake for the contemplation um my fat ass knocked it over to get up and the funny story about that beforehand is that I dropped it on the way over, so. And uh, my husband literally said to me, be careful, don't turn this too much. Yeah, and then mine said to me, hey, be careful with these mics, don't drop them. So we, we nailed it. We did great. We're winning at this um, <laughs> live podcasting game. Seriously. It's, it's been a journey. Mm-hmm. Speaking of journeys, you, you said you uh, had some stories for me today. Oh, yeah, you're going to love this. So, you know how we ate our breakfast tacos this morning? Like, tradition. And we have our Dutch brothers, as usual, tradition. Mm -hmm. By the way, thanks for the shout-out, guys. They, like, said, we're glad that this helps fuel your podcast. Uh Uh-huh. And mine's going to become a mimosa bro here in a little bit. Oh, my God. I'm going to drink about down to half, and then I'm going to fill her up with some champs and make it a mimosa bro. Hell yeah, dude. I would, but mine be a little weird because I got the cold brew, but it's like they're orange. Uh, they have a, like a limited, or I keep saying limited. Why the fuck do I say that? Featured cold brew with like this orange syrup and like a cream top. My God, get it? It's delicious. I'm literally just drinking like coffee creamer at this point, but it's totally worth it. It's delicious. <laughs> I drink the Rebel drinks. So Rebel and champagne, you get a mimosa bro. If you missed that post. Yeah, so heads up. We're helping you. I made it up. Don't go to Dutch Brothers and ask for a mimosa, bro. <laughs> They'll look at you like you're crazy. Y- you got to make it yourself. <laughs> so anyway. Anywho, I go to um, my local restaurant where I got the tacos this morning because my other place moved on. They hitched up their taco truck and drove away. Ugh. And... I'm sitting there waiting for my order on my phone, minding my own fucking business, okay? Right. Minding my own business on a Saturday morning at 8.30. This douchebag. Nice. Sits down at the table next to me and says, oh, hey, you got something on your arm there. Oh, fuck right off. And laugh right off. And at first it didn't click. And I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? My tattoos. Uh, okay, can I just do a judgment call on what the person looks like? White male in his 50s and a little overweight maybe. Goatee, maybe a cap or balding. And uh, yeah, maybe gray. Maybe a little salt pepper situation. Yes to everything. Don't know about the goatee because I didn't really look at him in the face because I like went, (laughs) 
And I kept looking at my phone. Yeah. And he kept on. No. He kept on. So, my hair is in a bun this morning because I didn't brush it. I didn't wash it. it it's just bloop, bloop, thrown up in there. He continues on and he says, I say that to people that have um, color in their hair too. I go, hi, hey, you got something in your hair. Um... I have red in my hair. He uh, he would have gotten a twofer if I had not had my hair in a bun. So he just goes around giving his unsolicited, what he is calling a joke, to uh-huh. everyone or just women? I'm going to probably say just women. Probably, yeah. I tell my, I immediately call my husband because I'm like, bruh, listen to what just happened to me at this place. And... My husband swears he was trying to hit on me. I think it's a stupid-ass dad joke that he needs to stop doing because it's fucking stupid. And really, like, if you want to say, oh, my God, that's a badass tattoo. Oh, I like your tattoo. Or, like, be positive about it. Great. But if you're going to say something fucking stupid, keep your mouth shut. Agreed. Agreed. Honestly, can we all just kind of also go to the place where unsolicited opinions aren't necessary. I I don't really give a shit what you think about me or my tattoos or my hair, sir. And nor do I want your what you're considering a, a joke at my expense, I guess. Because it's one of those, you know what it is? It's the fact that he's thinking he's being nice and funny, but in a weird backhanded way, he's kind of insulting you. You know what I'm saying? He's like kind yeah. of like, oh, what's that shit on your arm and in your hair? You know, like you're abnormal somehow. Guess what, dude? My tattoos don't affect you. Nope. Nope, not at all. They're not on your body. And you're not forcing him to get a tattoo of whatever you have. Nope. 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 I didn't even suggest you come and sit down next to me. Eh. Nor did I suggest that you fucking speak to me at 8.30 in the morning. Pre a meal, too. Um, I just wanted fucking <laughs> potato, egg, and cheese tacos. <laughs> Seriously. With some cilantro and hot sauce. Jesus, take the wheel. <sighs> what is this? What? What? Who? And I'm going to say, again, I don't want to say all men, but unfortunately as a woman, we it happens to us more from men. Like, what is the need? What are you doing? Here's the thing, though. You have that douchebag, but there are more men out there that look at a woman that have tattoos on, you know, on their arms like I do, and they're like, damn, mm-hmm. she hot. Oh, that yeah, absolutely. That's like their shit. They're like, ooh, yeah. tattoo girl. It's like a whole subcategory of porn, too. So, yeah, <laughs> sir. So, if you're one of those men, you can come at me. And ideally buy free drinks. Yes, and then walk away because I'm married and I love my husband. Right, of course. Ain't nothing going to happen here. Buy me free drinks and free tacos. But douchebags like that, you got something to say that you think is funny that's really not funny because, A, I haven't eaten today, and this girl got to eat. Otherwise, I get hangry at 8.30 in the morning. Just go. Don't even sit by me if you don't think you can control yourself before you have eaten. Sit eight tables away. Seriously. Well, that was the dumbest thing ever. Like, why? Why, dude? He's lucky that I was more tired than hangry. (laughs) 
And I just kept staring at my phone and just went, <laughs> and kept scrolling. And you're like, hilarious. But it did <laughs> allow me to find my new friend, Myrna. Oh, my God. That's how I found my new friend, Myrna, on Twitter. Okay, so I really thought this old lady was fake on Twitter. I really thought she was fake. Some of y'all already know what we're talking about. Okay, so there's like an old white lady with um, big glasses um, white hair, you know, like an old, an old lady, like an old Meemaw. lady. It's Meemaw. And Myrna Tellington? Tellinghausen. T- Tellinghausen on Twitter, and we're probably late to the game on this, so. I'm late to the party on everything, you guys. I am over 40. I'm old. I'm tired. I'm late to the party on everything. <laughs> but she's hilarious, because she posts, like, the, the funniest tweets, and we were talking about before the podcast, I'm like... She's fake, right? Like, there's no way. Like, I thought it was an account run by, like, a millennial or something, you know? But it has, like, the photo of an old lady. Apparently, she's pretty real. real. Yeah. Let me just read you a couple of her tweets. This is one of my favorites. In all caps. Will somebody please tell Helen to stop calling me during the showcase showdown? And I totally agree with that sentiment. Like, that's the most important part of the show besides the yes. wheel. Yes. And you're over here calling them. Helen, stop. Get out of here, Helen. Helen, you're doing that because you hate Myrna. Seriously. What do you, what beef do you have against Myrna? That's what Is I want to know. Is it because she beat you in the HOA election? <laughs> was that the same Helen from the HOA election? Maybe. Pro- I bet it was. <laughs> Then we have, many people say my lemon bars are, are moist and delicious. Ooh. The fact that she used the word moist, I can't. I'm, I'm into it. I like it. Um, let's see. I mean, she just... My nephew asked me to open a new jar of mayonnaise. Apparently, he didn't get our genetically strong forearms. <laughs> great this is fucking gold dude i mean let's see wore out my binoculars today oh wait so she has these binoculars for what looking at the neighbors Uh uh uh-huh like gladys kravitz style yes god bless um and then her newest tweet is easter thoughts with myrna Life was simpler when peeps were just yellow and stale. <laughs> well, Myrna, I hate to break it to you. They're still just yellow and stale. They have different flavored peeps now. Ugh, it doesn't change the fact that they're just awful. No, I love peeps. Do you really? Yes. I mean, they're like... feels. What it reminds me of is you drop a marshmallow in sand. And then you eat it. Sand that tastes like sugar. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know. I mean, like, I'll eat peeps. I'm not like, ugh, it's gross. I'm just like, eh. Like, it's not my... I'm, I'm like a chocolate bunny or like those, like... They're like smaller bunnies, but they're like a harder marshmallow. I have no clue what the fuck you're talking about. I don't know what I don't know what candy it is. I just remember this candy, and it's going to drive me crazy now. As you can tell, we're podcasting around what's considered Easter time in where we're at. We are not observing this holiday by any means, but um, 
No, I mean, there's this candy that was like a, it was a shape of a bunny and it came in individually wrapped package. Was it chocolate on the outside? No, but it was kind of like a chewy, you know what it reminded me of? Those circus peanuts. Oh, those are fucking disgusting. I fucking love those. Oh, we're not friends. I'm sorry. This podcast is over. You are not getting a man cut nor a trophy dad. Dude, those dad. peanuts are so deceptive. Like, I was like, okay, this looks like hot trash. I tried them and I was like, these are freaking delicious. Have you tried them? Have you tried them? Yes, I have. That's how I know that they're trash. But they're good. They're kind of like a, a no. mushy. Mm-mm. I don't know how to describe it. No. Mm-mm. Okay, well. No. Agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. On both of those those Yes. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> We need to, okay, I'm horrible at transitions. So. I'm horrible at this. We got to figure this out. <laughs> no, no. Do you want me to just like go, so, go. So, you know, okay. I have a public service announcement for everyone. Oh. This is important, you guys. This is really fucking important. Let's sit down. All of y'all are in trouble. Sit down. I need y'all to sit down, gather Criss-cross around, get applesauce. a pen, get a piece of paper. You need to fucking take notes right now. These are things that you need to not fucking do when you go in for a job interview. (laughs) Number one. Ready? Don't wear leggings as pants. That is not a job interview outfit. I'm all for wearing leggings as pants. I did it this morning to get the fucking tacos. Maybe that's why I got hit on by a douchebag tattoo guy. I don't fucking know. Not for a job interview. I don't care if they have a pattern on them. I don't give a shit. I don't care that you matched it with a button-down shirt. Don't wear leggings as pants. Agreed? You're taking a hard stance, yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Also, do not tell me you ran a red light and crashed your car. What? (laughs) Wait, they called beforehand? No. Oh, okay. During the interview. To get to the interview. It didn't happen to get to the interview. It just happened at some point. Oh, no. Honey. Did you just grab their hands and go, are you okay? (laughs) Is everything okay? Do not tell me that at one of your previous jobs, you left without giving notice. Oh. Oh, no. That's a rookie mistake for sure. Do not tell me that you do not like drama in your job and then proceed to give examples of where there is drama in a job. Yeah, like you taking notes or you like you started it all. Do not say I need to make this much, you know, when you're asked about salary and you give a salary. Don't follow that up with, but I'm only making X currently. No, dude. Stop the sentence at the first half. That's it. These are some insane, insanely good examples, though. But actually, you're bringing up a good point. I never learned how to interview for jobs. I mean, you just kind of got to go out there and figure it out. Now, granted, I mean, obviously, there's tons of websites, job search websites you can go to to figure, you know, they help you. Thank God. But yeah, something should be. I understand you're nervous and your hands, yeah. hands are clam, clammy and sweaty. I get it. I get that way too. Same. When you go to shake their hands, 
Wipe that hand down your pants nonchalantly. Give a firm handshake. Don't do a sissy finger touch. Yeah. It's okay to say, I'm sorry, I'm a little nervous. Um, my hand might be a little... Sweaty. Yeah. You can address that situation, but still give a firm handshake. Right. Yeah. It's just some things that uh, are pretty standard across the board, no matter what time frame you're interviewing in, whether it's 1955 or 2022. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. So you've um, had the experience of interviewing some people lately, and it went... Well, allegedly, (laughs) I'm just giving our listeners some life tips. I appreciate that. I think that's a good, some really good life tips. Leggings as pants is for Target. 100%. Not a fucking job interview. Yeah, dude. If anything, overdress for the interview. I'm not even kidding. Wear a fucking suit to McDonald's. I know that sounds insane, but... Honestly, like, just be prepared. Be overprepared. I do not care how qualified you are for the job. Leggings as pants immediately get you put in the no pile. Mm. Oh, she's strict. So remember that if you're going up against Amanda. (laughs) No leggings as pants. (laughs) Even though you literally wear leggings every single day to work under a dress. I said it. I do, but they're not my pants. True, because you do have a dress that covers it up. Because I could take my leggings off, and I still have a complete outfit. Okay, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get you. I get you. I wear the leggings under my dress because, A, I don't want to shave my legs. Well, yeah. B, my office is the temperature of Antarctica. And C, my legs are fat. And it sucks it in. (laughs) Oh, God. They're not my pants. They're, They're essentially, they're an essential part of your outfit at this point. Yes. This is you now. Forever. Yes. But they're not my pants. No. Do you see a difference? I do. Does I do. everybody understand the difference I between leggings to- under the dress and leggings as pants? Yes. Yes, mom. I will fucking fight <laughs> anyone who tries to tell me it's the same thing. <sighs> and we sip. <laughs> as one of my favorite TikTok creators says. On that note, you want to talk about somebody who actually did do something horrendous? Yeah, they fucking wore legs as pants. <laughs> and then their husband killed them for it. Oh, God. <laughs> also, if you hear some weird shuffling in the background, we have um, a special guest today. Puma. Puma. Amanda's cat. Hold on, I'm going to detangle him. One second. Before he pulls our computer off the table and we break jesse's macbook and i can't afford to replace that i'd be like oh that's so sad for you as i run downstairs and out the front door t's and p's bitch t's and p's <laughs> all right okay i'm ready hold on are you ready for my story there we go comfy mode yes go so today i have okay help me with this name 
because here's, here's the deal. Sometimes I say things real Texan and even my husband can't understand what I say. <laughs> and he's Texan too, so. He's like way East Texan. Mm-hmm. Here's my example before I get into my story. So for his birthday, he won a planer. Like the big tool planer, like in the For garage, wood. For like wood. Okay, yeah, got it. When I say planer, he thinks I'm saying planner. Like like a planner. Oh, like a planner, like a like a daily planner. Uh-huh. Okay. But I'm saying planer. Oh. <laughs> it's subtle, but it's there. I hear it. Okay, I hear it now. Okay. So, this guy's name is Lau Lol, but I have a hard time saying Lol. L-O-W-E-L-L. Uh-huh. Lol. Lol. Uh-huh. I want to say Lowl, but it's Lol. <laughs> uh-huh. Like my mouth won't form the name Lol. Lol. I, that's fascinating. It won't say Lol? Lol. Just like, you know those, the Crayola things you color with? Crayola, yeah, uh, crayons. I can't say that word. Now I want you to try. Because <laughs> I'm just, is it crown? I say crowns. Crowns. Okay, yeah. They're, I, okay. They're I've crowns. Heard. Crowns. Yeah. But anywho. Lol. Edwin Amos. But guess what? Everyone called him Ed. Oh, okay. I was going to say. Tell me he has like a, a, okay, good, nickname or Amos is even a good name. You know what I mean? Yeah. So okay. you thought I was going to have to struggle through this entire episode <laughs> like I did when I went to Jim Han? No, no, ma'am. It couldn't Ed. be any worse than my Mikhail Popkov episode where I thought I could speak Russian. Well, I thought I could speak Japanese, French, and Italian over the past six months. You're very ambitious. <laughs> I can't even fucking speak English half the time. <laughs> So, thank God, Lowell goes by Ed. Lowell Edwin Amos. Have you heard of my friend? No, I haven't. So, Ed was born January 4th, 1943 in Anderson, Indiana. And so, I searched the depths of the interwebs for background on our friend Ed. And I just couldn't find anything. So, that's all I know about Ed. Wow. Well, when was he born? 1947? 1943. 1943. Okay. Well, I mean, and a lot of, you know, record keeping wasn't that great back then anyway. Well, you think since he committed a crime, somebody would have, um, you know, maybe done some background research on him, but apparently not. Okay. I tried. Sorry. So when Ed was 52, um, he was also the former... General manager of a GM plant in Anderson, Indiana. And um, so on December 10th, 1994, he was married to Roberta Mallory Amos. And the couple, they had went to um, the Athenium Hotel in Detroit for a Christmas party for Ed's corporate consulting firm. The couple, they partied with the other executives till 4.30. They had a grand old time. It was like, party time, woo-hoo. Poma? <laughs> um, and Ed and Roberta, um, 
At 4.30, they decided to call it a night. They went back to their hotel room. First of all, I don't know how Ed and Roberta did it because I'm 43 and I couldn't party till 4.30 in the morning and Ed was 52. God. And so he was born in the 40s. So would that be in the 90s? He was 52 in the 90s. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, so I'm, the reason I'm being context there is because like I'm thinking like the 1960s where people did party like that for business parties. But yeah, no, well, I guess... If if Die Hard is a is a factual account of a of a Christmas party, then yeah, I guess they could party till four thirty. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like nine p.m. I'm like I'm out. Tell me. So later that morning, Ed woke up, and Roberta was lying dead next to him in bed. Oh, magically, magically. That happens a lot to these guys, man. I know. What's going so, on? What do you think good old Ed did? He called the police right away, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, it was 8.30 in, in the morning. Um, so the first thing he did, which makes perfect sense to me, was call the other executive, Norbert Crabtree. First of all, Norbert Crabtree. Wow. Can we discuss that wow. name for a hot second? That is... Norbert Crabtree. Incredible incredible he called him for help not the police norbert so okay (laughs) and norbert was like um fuck this i'm not going alone oh thank god good job bud so he called daniel porcasi for backup he was like hey d I i got this weird ass call from ed I'm going to need you to come with me because I don't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. So Norbert and Daniel, they went to Ed's room and Edward dropped the bomb when they got there that Roberta was dead. Oh, so he didn't tell him beforehand. He was just like, hey, guys, just come to my room. He was like, "Okay, cool. He was like, I have an emergency. I need some help. Okay, but they didn't say he didn't say what kind of help. Right, right, right. Dude, that's a fucking bitch move. Don't do that to somebody. He said there had been a tragic accident and he needed time to clean up before he contacted the authorities and he needed a huge favor. Hello, red flag, red uh, flag. Uh, three of them in a row. Boom. Clean up. I need a, I need a favor. Absolutely not. And I needed time. I need, you, time for what? Yeah. Time for what, yeah. bitch? None of the, they'll be suspicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. So let's go back to the favor. What, what do you think Ed needed? Roll her up in a carpet, I'm sure. No, no, no. Ed handed over a small leather case he needed them to hold. Oh, fuck no. So later, Norbert decided to check it out and see what was inside. Okay, let me stop here. Because personally, as soon as that door fucking closed, I would have been digging through that fucking bag in the hallway of the goddamn hotel trying to find out what this fucker was hiding. So... Back to what um, Norbert found. So, well, Bertie, that's what I've decided to call Norbert. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. So Bertie found a foul-smelling washcloth, a sport coat, and a syringe without a needle. Uh Uh-huh. I'm going to make a little side note here that Ed did get his bag back from Bertie, and then everything that was inside vanished. 
Wait, okay, so when Birdie gave him the bag back, nothing was inside. Birdie gave him the bag back, Mm -hmm. and once Ed got the bag back, then everything vanished. Oh, got it. Okay. So the stuff that that Birdie saw in the bag was obviously somehow magically gone again. Yes. Oh, okay. But he remembers those three things. Yes. Interesting. I mean, wouldn't you? Absolutely. I wouldn't have given the fucking bag back. Absolutely not. I would have pocketed that syringe especially. I would have gone straight from wherever I was that saw those things to the popo. Yeah. Uh, well, also, we would have called the popo at the beginning, yeah. <laughs> like, I wouldn't have waited however long Birdie waited to open the bag. Seriously. Like, <laughs> I would have been like, thanks for the bag, oh. Ed. And Ed would have shut the door, and I would have sat down right there in the hallway and dug through it and called the police. Yes. I actually would have been on the phone with the police yes. while digging through the bag. Yes. Oh, that leads me to another story for another day. Okay. So, finally, after... um. He got Birdie and old Danny to take his bag of alleged evidence. He called the police. And um, the story had to tell, well, wow, he just, just wow, he pulled out all the stops with this one. Ready for this? He claimed that he and Roberta engaged in cocaine-fueled sex. And that Roberta was still doing coke when he fell asleep. And when he woke up, she was just dead. And he panicked and flushed all the coke down the toilet and tried cleaning up the room. Now, ready for this? The investigators did notice that the bed sheets were dirty, but Roberta's body was clean. So clean, in fact, there wasn't even any makeup on her. Aha, washcloth. Well, what kind of explanation could Ed come up for come up for this? Well, ready? You're gonna love this. I know I did. Roberta had sinus problems, so she couldn't snort the coke like a normal person. So she had to insert the coke into her cooter coo. Oh, come on. I her see you next Tuesday. Are you fucking kidding me? No. Dude, that's for like, let's, and and my. So I, I did the research on this. Please, okay. For y'all because. Thank you. Because I'm dedicated. <laughs> and well, also, I didn't think this was a real thing. So first of all, I want to say that Coke is bad and you should not be ingesting it at all in any way whatsoever. Yeah. At all. But here we go. With but the, if you are going to. Here we go about the facts about putting your Coke in your hoo-ha. So putting Coke up your coochie will actually slow down your high instead of speeding it up. Mm. Less Coke is absorbed into your bloodstream this way, and it's honestly quite wasteful use of your stash. It is actually uncommon for women to overdose by trying to get high putting their Coke in their snatch. Because it takes so much coke to overdose this way, um, it's very rare that for women to overdose like this. In fact, um, most overdoses like this are because they are smuggling large amounts and the packages burst during transport. Got it. 
There are other health risks like vaginal dryness, but we aren't going to go into all of that. I just want to point out that it's hard to um, OD when you put your Coke in your bajanga. Thank you for doing that hard-hitting research. <laughs> Very detailed I'm now on some sort of watch list. I was going to say, I can only imagine what your search history looks like. And I'm sure you're like, oh my God, I'm going to have to like scrub the shits. I'm on a watch list. And um, between murder and putting Coke in your vagina. I yeah, probably. I cannot leave the country. <laughs> if I try to apply for a passport, I am going to be nine. Um, because I have searched murder. And cocaine in the vagina. <laughs> oh, my God. See, I was thinking for this, I'm thinking maybe extreme, extremely, extreme drug users of Coke would do that. Uh, that's where my head went with it. Like somebody who uses a lot of Coke. But apparently, no, it's actually no. not. It's the opposite of what you would think. So also, I'm sorry, if you're going to be a recreational Coke user, and let's just say your sinuses are fucked up. It's it doesn't matter. If your sciences are fucked up, it's because you probably, probably used a lot of coke. Exactly. And and even then, from what I have not even seen but saw on TV, they still use it. Yeah. So, no, dude, that's not. How in his brain is he thinking, yeah, they'll buy this? Well, he is a GM. He was a GM of an auto manufacturer. First of all. And then he had like a fucking, like, what I say, a consulting firm? Yeah. He not smart with the drugs. No. I mean, I'm not too smart with the drug, like, with the drugs, but I would know not to fucking try to make it look like somebody overdosed by putting it up the coup coup. Yeah, dude. Or even claiming that. Or just saying, oh yeah, you know... She likes to do coke and put it in her vagina. You know how that is. It's like, what? I no. Mean, you had a syringe. Okay. You had a syringe. You should have gone with the heroin, smothered right? her, then shot a whole bunch of heroin in her. Exactly. Or when she passed out from drinking. Obviously, you drank a lot. You were up partying till 4.30. When she passed out... Then you shoot her up with a whole lot of heroin to make her overdose. Right. But, I mean, yeah. Uh, but we're not giving you ideas on how to kill people. No, we're saying that you're an idiot. We're workshopping how Ed went wrong. Yes, exactly. Oh, my God. Where you are going to jail? Yeah. May this be the evidence for our acquittal that we're just idiots. <laughs> oh, my God. So he this, tells them. Who is he telling this to? The police. He's. Okay, and the cops are definitely not buying this shit, right? Tell me that they're looking at him like, no, dude. So, the autopsy did confirm that Roberta had traces of coke in her vajayjay. But the police were still confused because there was no external signs of coke. Um, Roberta did have more than 15 times the lethal amount of coke in her body. Um, but she was actually dead before half of the drug had been broken down in her body. Okay. So, and coke poisoning actually causes violent fits before death. So how could Ed have slept through all of that? Like, they know something's not right. Mm -hmm. And not only that, there was makeup on the pillowcase 
but Roberta wasn't wearing any when they showed up. So did Ed wash the body before he called the police? What about the teeth marks and lipstick on the pillowcase? Um, Was it pressed over Roberta's face at some point? Was that due to some kinky sex game? Or was she suffocated and murdered? Like, they had all these questions. Yeah. I mean, it just didn't fucking add up. But Ed, like, proved to the police that he was really grieving for his wife. Because just two days after her death, he spent $1,000 on dinner and drinks with two women and then had sex with both of them. Oh, yeah. Like every grieving husband does. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's part of the grieving process. It's part of the package deal you can get to the funeral home. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, two girls and a steak dinner service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So this was actually Ed's undoing because once the case went public, more women started coming forward saying that they had dated good old Ed and they felt like they had been drugged before sex. These confessions led the investigators to look further into his backgrounds and they what they found was shocking but not really what they found was that women at ed's life tended to die earlier than they should have mm-hmm. so rebutter was not ed's first wife ed's first wife was sandra and in 1979 when she was 36 she was found dead in the bathroom according to ed Sandra had mixed sedatives with wine, collapsed, and hit her head on the bathroom counter. While some questioned her death was while some had questioned her death, it was actually ruled indeterminate and Ed got a $350,000 insurance payout. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. not long after Sandra passed away, Ed married his Sancha, Caroline. Dude. Yes, that's right. Well, Ed was married to Sandra, he had a little side piece, Caroline. So he definitely wouldn't have wanted Sandra dead at all. No, not at all. Friends said that Caroline and Ed argued constantly over the large insurance policies he kept buying on her life, and he refused to cancel them. Caroline was like, fuck you, Ed, I'm over this bullshit, and she kicked him out in 1988. Ed went to live with his 76-year-old mom, Mary Tolls. Just a couple of weeks later, mom was rushed to the hospital, and the doctors went, were, went, were unable to figure out what was wrong with her, and she was released as soon as she recovered. Dude. This is weird. I mean, that kind of sounds like poisoning to me. But. Yeah, yeah. So Caroline would call and check in on mom every day. And then one day Caroline called and Ed told her he just found her dead and that she had been dead for several hours. Caroline rushed to the house and she found Ed in a rush throwing his things in his car. And he told Caroline he didn't want anyone to know he had been living there. Because of mom's age, no one questioned her death, and there was no autopsy done. And guess what? Our good buddy Ed inherited more than a million dollars. Oh, my God. And just so you know, I had to look up what this guy looked like. Because I was like, is this guy some, like, hot dude, you know, who's over here just, like, 
gathering women into his harem. No, he's like a normal looking, like square headed white dude. <laughs> like he just, he's like a thinner, I don't know how to describe it. He just, just very bland looking. He's probably the dude that hit on me at tacos. But, yes, probably. <laughs> it's him. I dodged a bullet there. Seriously. So I don't know what Carolyn was thinking. Maybe it was the money. I hate to say it, but if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck, it must be a duck. Yeah. Because she let Ed back in the house. Honey, no. Don't do that. Nine months later, after Carolyn let Ed back in, he claims he took her glass of wine to the bathroom where she was blow drying her hair. And then later, he found her dead in the bath. He thought she'd been electrocuted, but no cause of death had ever been determined. On an interesting note, the wine glass Ed claims he took Carolyn in the bathroom was missing from the bathroom and later was found rinsed out in the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Ed got $800,000 in life insurance money from Carolyn's death. Hmm. Convenient. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. So, on November 8th, 1998, Ed was arrested for murder. Ed's bad luck continued because... 1994, so two years before that, Michigan had changed the law to allow details of previous incidents to be included into trials. Uh Uh-oh. So that means the prosecution could bring up the facts that while Roberta didn't have any life insurance like Ed's other wives and didn't leave an inheritance like his mom, their marriage was on the rocks and Roberta had already bought a house of her own in preparation to get Ed out of her life. And Ed couldn't take the rejection, so he dealt with her by injection of the coke, upper cooter. Got it. Um, so before he shoved a shit ton of coke, upper cooter, Ed did give Roberta a glass of wine with crushed up sedatives. Aha, uh-huh. okay. I was going to say, because he had to have... <laughs> I would not, I would be kicking and screaming if you're trying to do that to me. Yes. Put that in my vagina. So you better fucking knock my ass out. Yes. Okay. So because of the change of law four years before he was arrested, they could bring up all these other things. The fact that Roberta had bought a house, that they were fighting, she was getting ready to leave him. And um, they could also bring up his other wives. Uh, so the, the history can actually be a part of the trial, which, like you said before then, had not been allowed. Yeah, they Interesting. could allow to bring up details of previous incidents in, to trials. So, you know, pretty much fucked that over. So here's a little, another little fun fact. Ed and Birdie, remember our good friend Birdie that took the bag? Mm-hmm. They had a $225,000 loss during their first year of business. And Roberta and her mom had loaned Ed a total of $45,000. So Ed and Bertie's business was taking a big nosedive. So I don't know if that could have played into one of the reasons why Ed did what he did. Because she didn't have any life insurance. So I'm not quite sure why he killed her like he killed the other ones. Do you think, and maybe you're going to get to this, that Bertie? Because of the investment, he, I guess kind of Ed was like, hey, look, man, this is your investment too. You're going to have to help me deal with this shit. Is that why he called him? 
I don't think so. Okay. I think he just needs someone to take the bag away. Okay, so you don't think Birdie was in on this at all? Uh-uh. Okay. No. Okay. So October 24th, 1996, Ed was convicted of premeditated murder and murder using a toxic substance, and he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. No charges have been filed, have been made against him for Sandra, Carolyn, or his mom. What? Are you serious? Yes. Is it because they're open cases and they're going to do it eventually? I think because they don't have any evidence. Oh, because like, because can't they test like the DNA? Like, you know, to go back and just see if there's any traces or remnants left in the remains? Well, they would probably have to um, exhume the bodies and that's like... Oh, and get permission from all the families. Yeah. And they, and, and he's in prison for life, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, hey, look, we, we got the guy. Yeah. This is a weird one. So, listen to this. This is a little, like, fun facts. I'm not going to give you the website for this because I don't think anyone should go purchase this. <laughs> I found his prisoner badge for sale online for $600. What? Yes. What the, how do you, how do you even? I don't know. What the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> I found it just looking for for information on this story. And I was like, what the fuck? Oh my God. Like, who smuggled this in or out to sell it? Of all the things, seriously. Okay. That's been in somebody's ass. Nobody buy this. <laughs> seriously. Or. Or Cooter. Or. they see you next Tuesday. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. This is, this, uh, this one is fascinating because rarely do you ever have a male poisoner. Men don't usually poison. They're violent, you know, shooting, stabbing, strangling, dismemberment. This is a man thing. Not saying that women don't. Just saying that for the most part, when we're following serial killer or killer law, I guess. So it's fascinating that he's a poisoner. Well, I wonder, I guess for him it's just easier. Kind of like, and plus there's no trace. And you don't have to, you don't really have to dispose of a body because it looks like a, a normal death. A natural death. So it's well, a normal process. And that's how he got away with it. And that's because he was like, oh, 911, my wife is dead in the bathtub. 911, my wife fell and hit her head. 911, I don't know, I found my mom dead. God, that's fascinating. What a piece of shit. He screwed up here because he called Birdie. Yeah, yeah, thank God. Thank God, though. But so wait, is he still alive? I think so, yes. Ugh. See, this is what he's, drives me crazy. He's fucking old as dirt. Good. Like, if you Google image, you get his mugshot. Oh, God. And you know what's crazy, though, is I'm sure some of these guards are like, huh. See, look, here's his prisoner badge that's for sale. wonder what this old guy's in here for. Oh, look, the oh, price has dropped to $500, everyone. What is this website? I'm not telling anyone because no. I don't agree with it. No, totally. It's just interesting, like, where... I don't want to know. I'm with you. I don't want to know. I don't. <laughs> that is craziness. Wow. What a fascinating Latest story. products. Is this all just like serial killer merch, essentially? Charles Manson signed card. Full of shit. No way. No way. Richard Ramirez, Night Stalker. Like a, what's the photo? What's the photo one? $1,500. For R R Richard Ramirez and what, a girlfriend photo? 
Okay, this it's website. It's a Polaroid from 19... What did it say? 1999. Whoa. Like, but I knew there was like a whole... Like, I mean, a lot of people collect serial killer shit. And- Polaroid of Richard and Doreen Ramirez at Visitation San Quentin State Prison. Hand dated on back April 23rd, 1999. Whoa. So this is where... It gets wiggity for us true crimers. True crimers. Cunties. Because, like, I get I get the idea of, like, wanting a piece of this. You know what I mean? Like, a serial killer's story. I totally get it. It's part of the reason why I'm fascinated by true crime is, like, how can someone do these awful, horrendous things? Let's stare into the blackness together and learn and know that we're not those people, but also, like, how the fuck can these people do this, and how do we prevent this from happening? But, like, this is where it starts to get on that line of, like, where is this money going? Is it going to, the hopefully, the victims' families, or the, even the families of the killers? Because, I mean, they didn't raise the children, for the most part, this way. You know what I'm saying? Like, most of the time, the family's like, yeah, we're just as horrified as everyone else. <laughs> um... Other times, unfortunately, like in Ramirez's case, his, uh, what was this, his cousin basically set him up for failure from the get. But, ah, man, I don't know. I think I would be more likely to just, like, go look in a museum for shit like this than buy it, you know? Like, I'm fascinated by it, but I don't, I don't want to contribute to I mean, they have it broken down by, look, Jeffrey Dahmer, John Wayne Gacy, Ed Gein, James Holmes, Henry Lee Lucas, Charles Manson, fuck Dennis Henry Nelson, Lucas. Richard Ramirez, Danny Rowling. Like, man, fuck them all. They're all terrible people. Like, where does the money go? Does it say where the money goes? I don't know. I kind, I just kind of have a problem with all of this. I know, I know. It's 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 whack. You know, it, yeah. Psycho killer comic books. Shirts, $50 and under, artwork, cards from killers, confessions and case files, crime scene photos, no deceased killers, female killers, hand tracings, mass shooters, necrophilias and cannibals, personal effects, photographs, satanic killers. Wow. Ugh. Okay, I gotta move on. (laughs) This is creeping me out now. Do you want to know about our trophy dad this week? Yes, take me away okay. from this fucking <laughs> website, please. So, um, I'm going to do another very famous person, but this famous person actually is um, one that I deeply appreciate. Again, um, and that is Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you like Jim Carrey? He's kind of, I feel like, a polarizing figure. I don't really. Okay. That's fair. Not everybody does. Um, I did read a book for this. Wow. And I read his uh, book, Memoirs and Misinformation. It's by Jim Carrier and Dana Vecon or Vecchon. I'm sorry, Dana, if I butchered your name. Um, Jim Carrey was born on January 17th, 1962. He's a Capricorn in Newmarket, Ontario, Canada. He grew up around Toronto. His dad was an accountant, and his mom stayed at home to raise him and his three older siblings, Rita, John, and Patricia. He would do impressions and faces from a young age, like around eight, and he even wrote a letter to the Carol Burnett show to be considered for um, a spot on the show, (laughs) which I think is really funny. Um, 
His family grew up pretty low to middle class, so they struggled sometimes. His, he and his brother would work at a factory in town as janitors to help the family make ends meet. And he started doing comedy shows at around 15 at the same time as him working at this factory as a janitor. So around high school, he really started to kind of help his family out and then go do some comedy. His first stand-up show was in 1977. It was in Yuck Yuck's comedy show <laughs> in Toronto at 15. He wore a leisure suit. And his, I know. Please tell me it was blue. I know. That's what I was picturing too, like that light baby blue. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know. His dad helped him prep for the show, and unfortunately, he bombed. It was not one of those rags to riches, all of a sudden Jim Carrey was born type stories. With not being able to make ends meet, his career was on hold until his family grew a little bit more stable financially. And then he got a chance to go back uh, to stand up and worked on his act. He tried again two years later with um, a better act, and then this earned him his first paid show. Uh, he auditioned to be a part of SNL for the 1980 to 81 season, but unfortunately he didn't make it. Instead, a 31-year-old Charles Rocket did, which, forgive me, I don't know what the who the fuck that is. Charles Rocket? Yeah, I don't remember him from SNL, like, at all. But I'm like, you passed up Jim Carrey for... Charles Rocket. Well, I mean, maybe he was big time back then. Uh, maybe. I don't know. So, Jim worked other odd gigs until 1983. At age 21, he moved to Los Angeles to try to make it big. His goal was to get into The Tonight Show, which did happen on... Oh, Charles Rocket? Charles Rocket. Oh, he looks familiar. What is he on? He's been on things. I'm going to his IMDb. Just give me a hot second. I'm on my phone, not my computer. Right now. Jesus. <laughs> you need to give me a second. Touched by an angel. Oh, okay. He was on. He went more serious with his 12 roles. 12 episodes. Oh, wow. Um, so he, Jim actually, his goal was to get on The Tonight Show. And it actually happened on a Thanksgiving airing. Air, uh, airing where he went through all his impressions at the time. Now, okay, so comedy nerds out there who kind of like know more about the history of of, uh, stand-up comedy, but in the 80s and 90s, it was very common to have comics be impressionists. Like they would impersonate every big artist at the time, every movie star, whatever. He was actually in Dumb and Dumber. Charles Rocket? Who was he? (laughs) Nicholas Andre. Fuck, who was that? I don't remember. I, oh, he maybe he was like one of the rich guys or whatever in the movie. Um, so Jim went on The Tonight Show and he did impressions like E.T., James Dean, Clint Eastwood, Elvis. Um, he didn't really get much fame off of that. And um, Johnny didn't invite him over to the couch, which we, as we know, that's like the, the thumbs up. So it wasn't like he did bad, but he didn't do he didn't do anything different than I guess what Johnny Carson had seen at the time. Again, the Tonight Show wasn't always <laughs> run by who it's run now. It was Johnny Carson for a hot minute, and he did phenomenal. Which if you haven't seen it, you guys absolutely have to watch it. It's a really it's a great show with Johnny on it. Um, Jim Carrey did other odd gigs until 
Uh, he got some mild success, like the 1985 movie Once Bitten, which if you've seen it, I actually haven't seen it, but it looks hilarious. And then Peggy Sue got married. <gasps> I love Peggy Sue got married. Then you, yeah, you've seen him in there. Um, so yeah, he was in that. I didn't know that was a Francis Ford Coppola film. Like I had no idea. Um, and then also he was in, uh, Love Potion number nine. With Sandra Bullock. Did you ever watch that movie? No. It was really good. It's it's funny, stupid, but you know, it's one of those like cheesy movies, but it's it's hilarious. I think it was Sandra Bullock. Anyway, um, he tried again out for SNL in 85 and 86 seasons, and instead Dana Carvey and Phil Hartman were cast, which I do know those two names. I mean, and Phil Hartman is somebody we will cover eventually too. He eventually was cast in 1990. It, at In Living Color, a sketch comedy show, and he was on that show for four years. And this is what helped kickstart his career. You've watched In Living Color. Well, yeah. Yeah, everybody did. J-Lo got her start there. God, although it was a the Wayans Brothers show, sketch comedy show, and then they had dancing in between, which is where Jennifer and her dancers came from. Uh, and J-Lo was a backup dancer, by the way. She was not in the front a lot at all. Well, she doesn't, she's not a great dancer. Yeah, she's more of a singer, for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, the show is hilarious, hilarious. So if you've ever seen it, Jim does, you know, Fire Marshal Bill on there, where he had like burns off his lips, and so he looks like he has no lips. <laughs> it's really hilarious. Um, he does, uh, I mean, basically any other impression you can think of, but his, from the one I remember the most was Fire Marshal Bill. Oh, and he had this, um, female bodybuilder, uh, character that he would always do, which is really funny. You got to watch it. It's really great. So after this, he got Ace Ventura, then The Mask, then Dumb and Dumber, and then ba 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 ba. Everybody knows pretty much the rest. Truman Show, um, real quick. So he went Comedy, hard right turn or left turn, I guess you could say, into more serious roles with The Truman Show. And that was one of the biggest, you know, things that had happened at the time. It was like, oh my God, he's, he's going to try to do more serious roles. And it's like, well, yeah. The thing about comedy is it's fucking hard. And <laughs> there's actually a lot of drama behind the comedy that you have to, like, have a backstory on to tell the joke. So oftentimes, like, comedy comes out of a place of pain and, you know, some sort of dramatic event, maybe. And so, yeah, for me, I was like, yeah, it makes total sense. And he, I think he got an, uh, an Emmy, and I know he got, like, an Oscar. Like, hey, he did a really good nod there. I know he didn't get an Oscar. But I love The Truman Show. Well, I'm living it, so. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. Truman Show's phenomenal. And then he did a couple other, like, serious ones. My favorite he's done is uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I think it's a phenomenal film. Have you watched that one? Probably not because I don't like him. But I will say, I do love... Um, I can't think of the in- name of the movie. Uh, something Dick and Jane. Fun with Dick and Jane. Yes. Yes. I with Tay Leone. I do love that movie. That is a hilarious movie. I love that. That movie makes me laugh, but other than that, I don't like him. Oh, Bruce Almighty was also a good one. I really enjoyed that one when it came out. God, that was funny. Um, but keep in mind, I don't like movies. 
I know, I know. And I'm nothing but movies. Like, that's my live and breathe, you know what I mean? Um, but what I found interesting about Jim, especially because I watched, uh, I think it was like the commentary or some sort of documentary in the making of Eternal Sunshine, was how deeply he felt things, you know? And I was like, wait, is he going through something? Like, because if you notice his career shift... There's also like this emotional shift with him, like on a personal level, like you start to see him also kind of like shift into more like introspection and philosophy. So let's get into the person behind the mask, I guess you can say. I had a mask birthday cake at nine years old, by the way. It had so much green icing on it. It was ridiculous and it stained everyone's mouth. Your mom allowed that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We watched the mask together. I think that's what, like, we watch movies a lot as a family. Every weekend, we watch at least one or two movies, at least. So I think that's obviously where my love of movies came from. I'm just shocked your mom would allow you to have a mask birthday cake. Yeah, it's really weird, isn't it? It's like a juxtaposition of, like, growing up extremely strict Lutheran. And then I'm allowed to watch The Mask, Dirty Dancing, James Bond, all the Star Trek, all the Star Wars, Indiana Jones, like, absolutely anything, anything. Anything. I've met your mom, and so... Yeah. yeah. I find that real weird. It is weird, isn't it? So weird. (laughs) So, Jim married comedy store waitress Melissa Warmer in 1987. They had one daughter together, Jane Aaron Carey, in September that year. She's right around my age. They divorced in 95, and he then married Lauren Hawley, the hot chick from Dumb and Dumber that he was pursuing. He married her. They were married for a year before divorcing. And then he was engaged to other models and actresses like Renee Zellweger, January Jones, Jenny McCarthy. Um, But you really learn more about the character of who he is by, I don't know if you remember this story, maybe not, but one of the women he was dating died of a drug overdose. And it was ruled a suicide. An ex-boyfriend of hers tried to sue Jim, saying that, you know, you essentially provided her these prescription drugs, which were easy for him to get because he was famous, blah, blah, blah. And so Jim responded by saying, quote, What a terrible shame. It would be easy for me to get in a back room with this man's lawyer and make this go away. But there are some moments in life when you have to stand up and defend your honor against the evil in this world. I will not tolerate this heartless attempt to exploit me or the woman I loved. Kat's troubles were born long before I met her, and sadly, her tragic end was beyond anyone's control. I really hope that someday soon people stop trying to profit from this and let her rest in peace. The lawsuit was dropped. And I just remember that happening and people saying around him that he was just, like, distraught, just absolutely crushed. Because, you know, that's not anything you would ever expect someone you're dating to do. And then, holy crap, it happens. You know, it's a big deal. So, Jim has lately been much more withdrawn from Hollywood, as we've all kind of seen. Seeing the hypocrisy in the whole entire organization, even saying to CBS News, quote, Yeah, I'm fully aware of the hypocrisy that I'm living in, and I mean to celebrate it. But there's occasional times when I go, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing something family-friendly, as long as I'm not a complete sellout mode when I do it. And I fair. He's mainly talking there about the Sonic the Hedgehog series, which, hilarious. I haven't seen the new one, but... The first one was pretty funny. (laughs) 
So if you didn't know this, Jim is an avid painter and sculptor, and I have links on his website. I had no idea. Yeah, he painted a lot of political cartoons during the Trump era of Trump looking like adult, and um, he had many choice words to say about that presidency. I mean, a lot of people did. That's true. He does transcendental meditation and believes in the law of attraction and has used visualization to help him at the beginning of his career visualize his success. And he talks about that in his book, which if you, when you read this book, I highly recommend it because it's like half fiction novel, half memoir, half sci-fi fantasy. It's insane, which if this is what's going on in his brain, holy shit. (laughs) <laughs> he's got a lot in there. Um, he's basically said, I've always had a nonsensical belief in myself and the universe. I didn't make it on Saturday Night Live. Basically what happens to me is there's an automatic reset that my brain goes into where I say, I might not be able to make it through the front door like everyone else, but I'll make it through the basement window. I'll make it through the back door. I'll find a way to parachute in on the roof and climb down into a window. I have faith and I think faith is better than hope, you know? Hope walks into fire and faith leaps over it. I'm here because in living color and the incredible talents in the African-American community that supported me and allowed me to grow in their world that they created. The weigh-ins gave me my big break. You know, I can't ever thank them enough. And then, of course, lately he's been more focused on spirituality and philosophy. He said he even draws inspiration from his daughter saying, quote, my daughter is one of the most brilliant counsels of my life. Well, she has just chimed in with a few words that have really like opened my heart and settled me down and made me feel like everything's all right. She's just wonderful. And he recently became a grandfather. So to quote him, he's saying, I've challenged my audience all the way along. I'd rather, I've been rather brutal about it. And I've asked them for a lot and they've given me a lot. And now I'm a political cartoonist and an author now, and maybe because I know how beautiful a gift that is, and I'm very grateful for it, I seem to be gaining acceptance in those places, which is just incredible. What a life I'm having. The latest news on him is in April 2022, he announced that he was retiring from acting. Some asked if he would come back, responded by saying, quote, it depends. If the angels bring some sort of script that's written in gold ink that says to me that it's going to be really important for people to see, I might continue down the road, but I'm taking a break. I bet he reads the Best children's books to his grandchild. Oh my God. Could you imagine? He probably does the voices the best. Yeah. He does. And he does all the voices too. And the faces. Oh yeah. Every character has a different voice. Yeah. I would love to have him read a story to me. I, I mean, at my age right now. I don't care. Jim, if you're out there, read Jim. Jesse a story. Jim Carrey. If you're out there, hit me up. <laughs> I've always, okay, so frame of reference, I haven't always liked his movies. I used to think Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, all those were stupid. I used to think The Mask was brilliant, and I wanted to be Cameron Diaz when I grew up, and that movie, I just thought she was so cute. And then, I, I don't know, I, as I grew up, I started to really appreciate his funny roles, and then even more so his more serious roles. And I also appreciate him being so overt with like his withdrawal from Hollywood and in the book he also kind of goes into this thing where he's like it's a double-edged sword this Hollywood has provided the life I now lead so I can't shit on it but at the same time it's so toxic you know it's such a horrible environment right 
so he's like, am I contributing to it? Am I a bad person because I've contributed to it? Who's, whose lives have I, you know, it's a whole thing. But he's fascinating to me because he's just so much deeper than a lot of people give him credit for. And I think that's what really draws me to him is like a trophy dad and a trophy person in general. Right. He also does quite a few uh, philanthropic um, works, which I thought was really important. Some of the things that he has uh, contributed to include like the Better You Foundation, Global Alliance for Transformative Entertainment, Comic Relief, Make-A-Wish, uh, St. Jude, you know, things like that. So he also wants to spread, you know, a lot of awareness and, and help people himself, which I think is really cool. I think St. Jude is like one of the most amazing... Um, what is the word I'm looking for? Charities? Yeah, that's not the word I was looking for. Oh, but Organizations? Yes, out there. Because when a family goes to St. Jude and their hospital, they don't pay for anything. Oh, wow. Their treatment, their where they stay, nothing. Mm-hmm. Like that is St. Jude's goal is for the families not to have to worry about anything but getting their child better. Wow. That's important. Mm-hmm. I love that. I didn't know that about St. Jude. Do you not pay attention to their commercials? Well, we do the streaming only, so I rarely see commercials now. Mm. Like that. I see all the other bullshit commercials that make no, mean nothing. Oh, yeah. But that's awesome. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, hopefully that took you away and you'll start to understand more about Jim Carrey and maybe watch a, a movie here and there. No, because I don't like movies. I know. Unless somebody tells me how to get out of my Truman show. <laughs> well, if, if I find the answer, I will certainly let you know. How do I get to the sun to get out the exit or the moon? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, because he went through the door that was beside the the sky, essentially. Yes. For those that don't know, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it. But let's be real. I don't feel bad. That I don't either. I just told you. It's been how many years? 30. That's Yeah. Okay. We'll go with that. Mm-hmm. On that note, thank you so much for listening, everybody. And as always. We'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.